if you've ever kind of struggled with thinking about taking your business to the next level, and I think a lot of us think we'd like to take our business to the next level, but my guest today kind of really challenged you to think about that. Is it, why do you want that? What is it you want first before you even think about taking that to the next level? And my guest, Beata Chillette, really got me thinking around the areas of, you know, a lot of the time we've kind of moved on from our corporate roles. We've gone into business on ourselves. And as real estate investors, you're looking at your business and you're thinking, well, I used to do this, so I can try that here. And, and Beata really did challenge that whole framework and, and say, well, just because you worked in a business that went this way, or that's the only organizational structure you've ever known, that doesn't mean that's what it has to be going forward. So I think you're going to find this particular episode helpful if you're in a position where you're struggling to get to that next level, or you're wanting to get next level, but you're not sure what are the next steps. So enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Personally Brandtastic podcast, where we help you build your personal brand and business so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. My name is Paul Kopkin, and every day I work with real estate investors, professionals, and business owners who want to stand out from the crowd and attract more of the right opportunities without feeling inauthentic or spending all day doing it. It's all about communicating how personally brandtastic you are. Because marketing is how to get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. Now, back to the show. Okay. Beata, thank you for joining us today. I, I guess I really have to kick off because I have to ask the question, how does somebody go from $135,000 in debt to selling a business to Bill Gates? I mean, we all want to know that one, first of all. So let's kick off there. Yes, of course, you know, courage, audacity, resilience, you name it, or maybe just not really knowing the rules enough to be able to follow them. I mean, on any one of these probably would qualify. <laughs> so the story is that I'm original from Germany and I wanted to go in the creative arts and I was told that was a very difficult thing to do. So I got into the creative arts regardless because I already learned very early on that what other people think you're capable of or what's available to you was not matching my idea for myself. And off we go, as they say. And then I realized, though, that with my photography degree, that I was a much better business person than I was a photographer, sadly. But I do like creatives and I like visionaries and thought leaders. And to this day, I work with people that have outrageous ideas and do crazy, wonderful, wonderful big things. Because to me, that's, you know, that's been my entire life. And I was a photo editor at Elle magazine. I realized there at the age of 23 that people will do anything for you if you only had the right job, which I did. And I realized that had nothing to do with me. I thought, I'm going to say this very open and honestly, I was a bit of an ass and probably very arrogant because I was 23. I'm running the photo department of Elle magazine, anybody. And I realized I needed to figure out who I was. And then the long journey began to wanting to become the person I wanted to be and understanding what that looks like. And I immigrated to the United States. And so over the next 13 years in the U.S., I made just about every mistake in the book, Paul, and had to overcome a series of very difficult 
obstacles and massive adversity. And we don't talk about little things. We talk about big things, fires, floods, riots, earthquake, my business. I lost a half a million dollars in one day in September 11th. The earthquake, you know, forced my boss to close the whole division, lay me off. And then I'm after an earthquake with a six months old going through a divorce, trying to figure out how the heck am I going to run a business now? And finally, a tsunami that took down one of my key vendors. And so it came and came and kept coming and coming. And there was then this point where I end up $135,000 in debt. I mean, everything that could go wrong had gone wrong. I go to Germany. My father has a stroke. My father did not have a stroke. My father had pancreatic cancer and passes away within only six weeks. So here I am, Paul, in Nether Bavaria, in this picturesque town on this hill overlooking the valley with the Baroque church right behind us. And my phone rings, and now it's my office in Los Angeles telling us that, telling me that we were served a notice. Now I'm also losing the house at a funeral that I don't know how to pay for after I had just lost my best friend. And now this. And we always talk about defining moments often in life that change the mm-hmm. trajectory of where we're going, Paul. And at that point, I fell to my knees. I yelled at God for a good minute. And I said, if you have a good plan, would be an excellent time to fill me in right now. Now would be the time. I mean, truly, now would be the time. And then I surrendered. What else was I going to do? I mean, and then I flew back and I'm like, well, I'm going to have to figure out how to move. I'm going to have to figure out how to pay for the funeral. I'm going to have to figure out how to maybe declare bankruptcy. And then I get a letter from the White House. And I had written in my absolute desperation, true story, because my mother-in-law, my former mother-in-law was such a nag all. You got to write the president of the United States. You need to write a letter to the president of the United States. If anybody can help you, the president of the United States can help you. Have you written your letters? Fine. I'm writing the damn letter. So just so we do not ever have to talk about this. Well, imagine my surprise when I got a letter from the White House. And that put me in touch with a small business administration with a second in command because it was a letter from the White House. After all, that helped me to get a restructure of my debt into a 10-year fixed loan. That freed up my line of credit. That brought me to break even three months later. 18 months later, I'm the world leader in my category. And that's when a Bill Gates company says, can you tell us how you do it? And I said, no. (laughs) You want it? You buy it. And they said, fine. How much do you want? I said, millions. And they said, okay. And that's how I got to sell my business to Bill Gates. Wow. And what was the business? What were you doing? It was a stock photography syndication that was specialized in architectural and interior images. So if you go to your bank and you want to refinance or want to get a mortgage and there's this picture behind the the person, the banker that shows and says, do you want to refinance your house? That would be a photo we provided. If your uh, partner, wife, or you're sitting in a nail salon or at the massage place, you pick up a magazine and you look at celebrity homes of Madonna, Seal, Julian Moore, Simon Baker, Francis Ford Coppola, there was a very good chance that was a story that we had syndicated. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And so what do you think it was that got you? to be able to do that in such a short space of time? Was it the breathing room that the loan and everything gave you? Or was it you were doing everything right, but something was missing? And and did you identify that? So there's a couple of things that now looking back, knowing what I know now today, when I look back and I dissect 
shifted where I can clearly identify this. So if we look at mindset or the laws of mindset, which you may or may not believe in, or you may or may not believe that there are universal laws that rule the world, I do. And if I look at this and I go back and I said, well, the first thing that everybody always tells you in any kind of spirituality, in any kind of religion, it says you decide who you're going to be. And I had made a decision that I wanted to have an equity-based business that would make money without me being there. And then I put my money where my mouth is. That means I, I stopped focusing on anything else. That was the only thing I focused on. That's all I did. And I believed in it so much that, I mean, I knew it was possible because other people were doing it in other categories, but I knew it was possible. So I knew it must be possible for me. And so it shifted the question from can I to how can I? Huge difference in mindset. Mm -hmm. And then I just did all of these actions as if, as if I was already there. You know, I built up another collection. I launched it. I, I pushed for the meetings. I didn't have the numbers in the database. I had very small numbers because, you know, back then we had to digitize everything. That was just when digitization first had begun. And so what do I contribute to? You know, really resilience, which I define as the audacity to not give up. The detachment and focus from mistakes and saying that I, you know, if I, if there's a mistake, that's just not the way to go. So I'm going to have to find another way. And I just kept going because I couldn't believe in the end. And that's the thought about perseverance. I couldn't believe that the joke was going to be on me. And I think a lot of people give up before the miracle happens. And what I mean by that is if you are in a room with the lights off, you are in a room with the lights off. You're not lost in the world somewhere. You're just going to have to find the damn switch. And people, when, they, when it gets dark, they get very confused and very frightened and very fearful. Oh my gosh, I got to find the light. If I don't turn the light on something. Well, sometimes you have to crawl around in the dark for a while. And because things are not ready for you yet. And I always believe that the tougher the adversity, Paul, the bigger the reward. And opportunity always shows up as a challenge. I mean, how easy would that be, Paul? If every opportunity you had would show up as an actual opportunity. It's always looking backward that you say, that's where the opportunity was. And I didn't see it. Right. And do you find some people are more resilient than others? And if so, what is it in, in some people that make give them that audacity versus somebody else? I think it's a it's a stronger belief system. We have to remember that we are the result of what we have learned and how we grew up. And if I just look at the educational system that all of us have been through, it has one and one purpose only to give you existing information, to make you retain and remember existing information to regurgitate existing information, and then you get an A. And so people get out of the school system into work, and then they go, where's the information that I can learn, retain, and regurgitate, and who are the people that are going to give me an A? And they're waiting for the rest of their life for that to happen, and are mostly angry because that is just not the pattern of the successful entrepreneur, the successful investor, the successful real estate, you know, 
mogul. That's just not the pattern. The pattern of success is where do I want to go? How do I get there? What do I need to do? Who do I need to become? And you see that there's such a discrepancy between the two of them that unless you, I, I refer to this, Paul, you have to think about this like a USB port that's like plugged into the back of your head, right? So it's a general operating system. It's like the original Mac. Right. Now imagine if you'd still use the original Mac, you can't put any Bluetooth on it. It, you know, there's like a floppy disk. You can't even put a CD in it, less of all a USB port. So it just runs on this original thing. So you got to find another port and plug that into override the existing program so that this new program runs. Other, and that's why I think what happens all the time to answer your question, Paul, that people fall back into the original program of the, it's really hard. It's a lot of work. I probably cannot do it. A lot of people have failed. You know, what if they don't give me money? Then I'm going to be a loser. Maybe this is enough. Maybe I shouldn't shoot for more. Maybe this is comfortable enough. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I replaced my income in corporate, so so I'm good, right? Hmm. That's really interesting because I think you've hit the nail on the head for a, probably a lot of people listening. Is they reach a point of growth and then they get stuck. Yeah. So what are the things that a real estate investor, if they're at that point, and as you've already said, kind of leaning or looking back and using what they've learned in corporate's not going to cut it. No. So, so what are the things that they need to be thinking about? What are the things that they need to be doing first of all? Yeah. So first of all, congratulations for having gotten to this point because a lot of people don't even get here. That means that there's been a part where you intuitively or automatically or because you listen to Paul's awesome podcast have figured out what you need to do to get to this point. If you hit a wall now, that means that there is now the next step that's required. Now, your skill set that got you here is not obviously clearly getting you to that next level. The first thing you need to do is, what is that next level going to look like? So let's say you have one property. Let's say you have two properties. And that's already pretty good. It's better than went better than you thought, right? Well, there's some market challenges right now, you know, banking challenges right now. You know, the guy who gave you the last loan left, he was a little bit of a jerk, but, you know, at least he was workable. The new guy is impossible. What are you going to do? Well, who do you need to be to get to that next level? So what does a person that has 10 properties look like? What does a person say, do, know who has 20 so your skill set, your mindset, and your action set needs to now be developed to emulate what this person that is at that next level needs to have. If you continue to do, you know, this is, you know, it worked really great. It, it got me to here. Well, that's right. It got you to here. So what's going to get you to the next point? Probably building a team. Well, but that's someone, well, well, I don't have the cash flow yet to bring somebody else on. Well, but that's how it works. You are building the future. You're not trying to, because you got as far as you could in the present. So if you want to get to the next level, you're going to have to make an investment of some sort into something to open the next door. Because if it was that you 
that every step would be handed to you in such ways like here's an extra $50,000, Paul, that the surprise transaction that happens every time somebody has a big plan, but no money shows up magically, then you can hire that person and boom, off you go. It's the opposite. The opposite is I need to hire this person. I need $50,000 in the next six months. You have to make the decision before the money can show up. It's not the other way around. And that's where people get caught. And do you find people, again, because of their corporate background, try to create companies with a classic kind of organizational structure when that may not be the right way? We, we, before we started talking, you were talking, you came up with the, the phrase fractional CFO, which hadn't occurred to me before, but it makes absolute sense in a, a real estate investing space is, would that be the an ideal kind of role and you don't have to hire people full time. No, you don't. And, and that's the thing where people get so stuck in this traditional, in these traditional ideas of how to build businesses. I mean, the world has changed so much. I mean, I have a video editor in the Ukraine. I have a writer in Alabama. I have a virtual assistant in the Philippines. I have a, a salesperson in China. So, so, we don't need to do this anymore. You can find people that are very qualified in other parts of the world where the, where you have to pay them a fraction of what you would pay them if they would be local, especially in, in places like Canada, the UK, Europe, America, in some places where the fees are like California is nuts on how expensive it is to have employees. Why would I want to do that? Just the taxes and fees on an employee here alone, I can hire another person. Like, why would I want to do that? So get creative on that. So if you are having difficulties in, in getting money, find a fractional CFO. If you need a better value proposition or marketing, then find somebody who can do a fractional CMO. If you need a better funnel to get interested parties and in becoming investors, because maybe you should start a fund. And maybe if you don't have the money yourself, maybe the next three projects needs to need to be fund, funded by a cohort of people. Well, then figure out what that is. Build the funnel, get, hire the person to build the funnel, get the interested people in, you know, figure out the, the salesperson and then sell them shares on these. I mean, it's better than doing nothing. So maybe that's the springboard to that next level. So what I'm saying is that the business, there's so many different business models right now that you need to always look at what are other people do. And Paul, sort of my thing, you know, it's like when I talk to somebody, the first thing I want to know is what's the model here? And they say, what do you mean? I say, well, what's the business model? Is it a funnel model? Is it a done for you, a done with you? Is it a, what is the model? And then they get all puzzled. I said, I need to know. I love double dipping models. You know, there's a guy who does a sales training. And he built a double dipping model. And what I mean by that, he, sell, he sells sales training. And then he realized that he could identify the best salespeople that made it through his training because he was training them. And then he built a second part, double dipping, where he's placing them as salespeople in companies. So he makes the money twice. It's freaking genius. Same amount of work, basically. Same amount of work. Right. So that's what I want everybody to think about is like, what are the models and can we bend and stretch the models? But the classic investor model, let me go to the bank let me find the property. Let me go to the bank and let me get the loan. You know, let me hit up two, three people. 
that's one model. Right. What if there are others? Right. And how do you help people come up with that? What What are the things that you kind of get them to start thinking outside of that, you know, breaking down those barriers and thinking outside of that box? I ask him a really provocative question, Paul. I ask him, okay. what do you want? <laughs> it's a most shocking, revealing question of all of them. And then you say to somebody, what do you want? Guess what they answer, Paul? They don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, that's your problem. You don't know what you want. So if you want a portfolio of 100 million, your model is going to be different than if you want five properties in your neighborhood and you want to manage them yourself. That's a very different model. So unless we get clear on how badass do you want to go, how can you build the model? Because then you try to fall from one deal into the next deal instead of building the business strategy, the business model. Because once we have the model, then we can have a strategy. We can reverse engineer how we get you from here to there. Yeah, you've really hit something on the head there because I think that's the problem is that most of us default to, oh, well, I'll just get the next one or they fall into the next deal, but it doesn't get them up anywhere near the level that they potentially want to be at if they can get clear. And do you find in the current marketplace, you kind of touched on it, but you know, with recessions or whether we're in a recession or not, I'm not going to remains to be It remains to be discussed, yes. <laughs> right. But more challenging environments. Do you find that is a time that this really comes to its into the fore even more so as a way of kind of shaking things up? Or do you find people hesitate even more because of that? I think that it this is really where we say and heard this a thousand times, recessions or economic downturns present the greatest opportunities. And why? Because when everybody else backs off, you need to double down. So this whole thing that is so driven by media, and you have to remember that for every time you say, I cannot, somebody else didn't know that they couldn't and did it anyway. So then you go, well, but I had this idea, yeah, but you didn't do anything with it. So the I think the universe or God, spirit, whatever you want to call it, conspires for you to be successful. You can't conceive something unless it's available to you. I never wanted to be a dentist because it's not available to me. I never wanted to be a lawyer. It's not available to me. I've always wanted to be somebody who helps people to, to really blow things out of the water, right? I wanted people to take these crazy ideas because I work with so many creatives. And I see this talent and then it's just like, whoop, it, it, nothing ever happens with it. It drives me crazy. It's like, how can you like not make money with this? And so I've dedicated myself to that. So that's available to me. So if you, I think the first part of what we talked about, the clarity of how big do I want this to go? What do I want? What's the lifestyle I want? Am I doing this so I can actually take my family on these vacations? Well, then we need to, Create this so you have the time to go on vacations. While I'm buying that boat in the Bahamas and I want to spend two months a year on the boat, well, then we need to create the business so you can be on the boat for two months mm -hmm. a year so that you don't become the slave to the business. And you are absolutely correct. I think people just back off because somebody says boo-hoo 
And then mom inevitably shows up and mom says, be careful, Paul, be careful. You know, you've, there was this one deal where you were really upset about, make sure this will never happen to you again. And then you open that crack in your mindset for negativity and 597,421 thoughts you ever had about being a failure, a loser, no confidence, falling flat on the face, losing all your money, come gushing in uninvited. And then you're screwed because then you have to get all these thoughts back out of your head, get back to clean thinking and say, if Mark Cuban does it, I should be able to do it too. And do you see anything you know, that entrepreneurs, what are the mistakes that entrepreneurs make? Where do they go wrong? Even if they've got clear about that bigger picture, that bigger goal, that bigger vision, where do they trip up? What are the things that people should be looking out for? You have to take the actions. So if you're listening to this right now, and by the way, if you're listening to this, will you do Paula a favor? Go wherever you pick up this podcast, give him a five-star review, write a little comment with a takeaway from the show and share this episode, please, with one other person who needs to hear what we were talking about today, because it is a labor of love. So aside from always listening to a podcast, of course, what people often get wrong is that they have this pride of, I have to figure this out on my own, as if there was an award at the end of your life just before we bite the bullet where somebody says, congratulations, Beate, you did everything by yourself. And then I'll, what, I'll be the only one at my own funeral and nobody else is there because I didn't build any relationships. I didn't need anybody. That is such a misconception and such a wrong sense of pride. Mm. We are all people. There are a lot of experts out there. If you don't know how to do something, hire someone. If you have a shitty relationship, hire a relationship coach. If you can manage your time, figure out somebody who can help you with time management. If you cannot think big enough, bring somebody like me in a strategist or, or somebody like you, where we can help people to really get clear on where they want to go with their business. We do not see our blind spots. And everybody knows that and people still act like it would be shameful to admit that we have blind spots. The greatest people on the planet have a coach for every single aspect, fitness, mindset, performance, time management, physique, nutrition. I mean, the greatest athletes have what, like a dozen of coaches that are doing nothing other than be all day around them. Like I watched a, a, a Tony Robbins documentary, I'm Not Your Guru on Netflix. And I mean, that is a machine that is set up to let this man perform at the level he performs. Yeah. Everybody's job is only one job to help him to perform. And what do you, what's your thoughts about, because you talked about go find the person with 10 properties or 20 properties, see what they're doing, become that person. What, where does, men, where does mentoring fit in versus you're hiring somebody or getting a coach to help you? Depends how much time you have. Mentoring and coaching, and, and I, I like the question because I think a lot of people misunderstand what the roles of each one are. A mentor, a coach, a consultant, a strategist, they're very different things. Right. A coach helps you to figure this out on your own. I think coaches are good for relationships. I think coaches are good for 
for some parts for business, I'm more on the consultant strategy side, because if the shortcuts exist, why not hire somebody who's done it, who can tell you what the options are versus like spending a year or two trying to go through the gestalt exercise to help you figure this out on your own. I mean, that's, but that's just me. Some people are different. Some people have to figure this out on your own. And a mentor really is somebody who, you know, typical mentorship is a once a month type of luncheon or check-in. It has a little bit of accountability to it. I think mentorship, you should always, if you can have a mentor, always have a mentor, but you still need a coach, uh, a consultant of some sort or somebody who help you, you know, a a mindset coach is you know, there's a coach there. I think you always need to work on your mindset. You need to figure out what the skills are that you need to be this person. And then accountability in action. And and where do systems fit into this? Is that part of the, because again, what worked before isn't necessarily going to work once you're at 10, 20, 50 properties. So, so I work with two kinds of people, Paul. So I want I work with people who need systems and strategies to grow their business. And then I work with people that have grown rapidly and now they need systems and strategies to get their freedom back. Because there comes a point where there's only this much you can do by yourself. And when you hit that limit of what you can do, you're going to need a system. Because unless you have a system that's clearly defined, has operational procedures, workflows and processes, you can never bring anybody in to be better at some of these pieces than you are. And there are people that are better at things than you are. So if you're a great salesperson and you can close the deals and find the investors, then I want you to do that. If your skill set is to find the properties, I want you to do that. If you just have that knack for something, I want you to do that. And for everybody else, we need to build a system. So that we can actually scale the operations. But for that, it has to be clearly identified. What are the pieces? Well, if I only could find somebody who's just like me. No, no. I was just about to ask, is that the mistake that a lot of us make? Oh, God. If I could just, if I could, how many times have you heard people say, could I just clone myself? If I could just clone myself. And when somebody says it to me, then I say, this is in the book of B's rules. Yeah. The number one thing that's prohibited, no mini me cloning. <laughs> okay. Because then you teach someone else to run your business without you. Why would you do that? Key is to divide it and slice it in small pieces so that there are handover points, but nobody other than you or the president of the company knows what all the pieces are to reduce the vulnerability to your business. If you mini-me clone, you effectively in the business of training other people to do what you do. And then they see what you're doing wrong and then they go and get better. It's a really good point. I I think I can hear myself saying it. (laughs) You're absolutely right. So some questions I'd like to ask guests before we kind of wrap up and let people know where they can find out more about you and and what you do, who is a favorite personal brand and why? I don't really have a massive personal brand. I mean, like BMW, you know, number one, I'm from Germany. And I think that they had a lot of consistency in their brand throughout the year. It's always been about the experience of driving and it's worked then, it still works now. I think it's a great brand proposition for that 
when I look at at brands in general, I find that a lot of them have often an identity crisis, and then they think they need to be something different than what they were before because the market has changed. So that's why I like a brand. And for some reason, Mercedes-Benz and BMW more than Mercedes-Benz, so have mastered that challenge to stay relevant over a period of time. What about an individual, like a business leader or somebody? Is there somebody that you kind of look at and you say, yeah, they've got it kind of figured out? I, I, I would have to say, and this is a very recent development and really a result of having watched the documentary, I'm Not Your Guru, Tony Robbins. I didn't realize, you know, before that, I just thought he was like this, you know, I made judgments over him probably because I'm ridiculously jealous of how much he's achieved. But when I actually saw the precision in how this is run and how he has these safekeeping events markers in there for people that are on this one program, a suicidal and how he's built this whole, I mean, it's a system that is so airtightly built. I bow to them, I bow to him. I mean, from a personal, I think it's the best, most sophisticated model I have seen. And I understand why I think it's a 6 billion company or something like that, that he's, that he has. I understand why he's this big because he's got this figured out better than anybody. I mean, that is something to be aspiring to. I'm going to have to check out that documentary. I think it's, uh... Well, and look for the business model, you know, like right. people go for the content alone, the content's great, but look for the model and just see how it is set up in the support system. So he has his, he, he, you know, he does his meditation. He does his cold plunge. Before he goes on stage, he jumps on his reformer. Somebody puts some drops in his mouth. You know, I mean, he has his early meetings. He doesn't start until he's ready to start. He has the before meeting, the after meeting. I mean, it is boom. I mean, that is a machine. Right. Interesting. Do you have a favorite business book or podcast? I listen a lot to David Nagel, the Successful Mind podcast. I worked with David Nagel. He's my mindset trainer. And I think everybody needs to go listen to a mindset podcast. I recommend his because I he has done, he's really changed a lot for me in the way I, in what I believe in and what is possible. One of my favorite books is Darren Hardy's Compound Effect. It's a yeah. very simple, very straightforward book. Everybody has it. It says little things lead to big goals. Yep. Compound Effect. If I could, there you go. There you I go. Mean, I, right I, I there. I can Yes. And I pick it up once a year. I, just it's a such flick, a good reminder. Flick back through it. So what about a new tool or resource that you're enjoying using? Yes. So we have gotten pretty heavily into AI, probably like everybody else. And looking at this from the perspective of how can we optimize workflows using AI. So we've, we found a tool that helps us with optimizing our podcast and really helping us spit out the quotes and all the things that we need for our podcast to be more effective. We have, I found another piece that lets me analyze large pieces of text. So I, you know, I had a client that I had met over the course of a year and a half and we had whatever, 20 different sessions. And I was able to take all the transcripts of all of our conversations, stump it, and then come up and have it write me a six months launch plan for the thing that we talked about over the year and a half. I mean, it was, it would have well, taken I mean, me forever. <laughs> it would have taken me forever. And then I said, now give me a six months launch plan based upon all the information. And it just goes and goes and I go, this is freaking unbelievable. That just saved me a month. Right. So 
So yes, that is definitely something I recommend everybody to do, especially when it comes to copy or when it comes to putting things out there or rewriting your website or analyzing things, very important. And do you have a favorite quote that motivates you or inspires you? Yes, I do have many quotes. I One that I just saw again recently, which I like a lot, is the race car driver Andretti. And he says, if you're, if you're comfortable, you're just not going fast enough. Be it in a car or business. So. <laughs> I mean, if you're comfortable right now, then you're not pushing it. Right. I think that, that, that there's a, a lot of truth, Paul, that we always have to have this underlying current of discomfort. It's interesting, Bjarne, a question just occurred to me. What happens if you go too fast? Have you seen that? And, and what are the things that happen? Is there a risk from going too fast? Or is that, a, again, if you're working with a consultant or a coach, that's the time that they should be able to pull you back and say, If you're going too fast, the risk is burnout. Right. So if you're taking on too much, and it's in excess of what you're capable of handling or you don't have processes and systems, everything is on you. It's just that the result is just burnout. So if, you've bur if you are at burnout, which a lot of people are right now, mentally and physically, it's because they've just taken on too much because the market, we also have to remember that there's been such significant market changes. What we've valued has changed also over the last couple of years with COVID and then the aftermath of COVID and market conditions and the bank crisis and the real estate crashing and all these different things. So I think that people have an overall fatigue to it. So we already prone to burnout. So if you're now trying to go fast, which we kind of all need to, because we have to get somewhere, then we're risking burnout. And if you feeling that you need help, it's right. just as simple as that, either by hiring people, outsourcing, building your signature system, so you know what you're doing and what the different pieces are. And that's something I can help people with if that's something they're interested in. But you don't scale without a system. It's impossible. And that's a great segue, Beata. How can people find out more about you? Where should they go? Yes, look me up all over the social media under Beate Chalet or The Growth Architect. And for anybody who's heard something was say, I should speak to her, please do schedule a 15-minute complimentary session at uncoverysession.com. We have a system where we can help you in 15 minutes to figure out what your number one business growth blocker is. If you want to check out the business growth blocker before you talk to us, you can go to growthblockerquiz.com and in two minutes, find out what your number one business growth blocker is. Perfect. Okay, we'll make sure that is all in the show notes. And Beata, thank you for today. It, it, fascinating. I think you've really given people some things to think about and, and how to scale their business and have yourself a brandtastic day. Thank you so much, Paul. It was a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Well, was that brandtastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business? So get to it. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.